Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today we'll have the pleasure of hearing Justin Leeson's Song of the Soul. Justin came to Eau Claire for college, having lived in St. Louis, Houston, and near the Twin Cities beforehand. Justin thinks deeply, feels passionately, and lives consciously. So you can look forward to some stimulating and challenging music as we listen to Justin Leeson's Song of the Soul. Hey Justin, thanks for joining me for Song of the Soul. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. I ran into you at the WHYS studio because you were looking to get ready to do a program here, offer to do a a program for WHYS. What was your idea for a program that you wanted to broadcast here? Basically dealing with social consciousness and awareness, and maybe there's a lot of things that people don't know about. I wanted to bring that to the forefront, things that you wouldn't hear on even NPR or the local TV channels or local radio stations. I just wanted to bring some of those things to people's attention in Eau Claire and hopefully get some dialect going and also play some diverse music at the same time uh, relating to certain social issues or political issues or health issues that I would be talking about on my show. Have you got some experience in broadcasting before or in social change work in general? Not necessarily radio work. I had a friend who was in broadcasting, and I did a couple things with him at his radio station. But for the most part, I've done more uh, social activities, like getting people out to vote. I've done petitioning. 
I was with a group called the Bill of Rights Defense Committee back in 2004. We petitioned for about two or three months, and we got the populace informed about certain aspects of the Patriot Act that were unlawful, and we took it to city council. They passed our referendum, a very slim vote, might I say, but we still passed it, and to this day, um, certain things in the Patriot Act can't be carried out in Eau Claire without the cooperation of our police force. Sounds like good work you're doing. We all happen to know, I'm sure, that Senator Russ Feingold was the lone senator to vote against the Patriot Act. Is that why you like Wisconsin better than the area down in St. Louis where you grew up? That's possibly one reason. Uh, yeah, he was the only person to actually read the Patriot Act, which is really nice. But I do like Wisconsin better than down south because people are more open-minded. And I've seen people up north are more likely to help you out if you're stranded on the side of the road rather than in St. Louis. People just keep driving by you and not even think twice about it. Well, you did grow up in St. Louis. And tell me about the progression of your life starting from there, because this is going to be essential, I think, Justin, to your song of the soul. Okay, well, I was born in St. Louis in 1978 during a thunderstorm at 4.05 in the morning. I'm the last of three children. I have a brother and a sister. I grew up in a single-parent home. My mother worked two jobs sometimes, and we went to church every other Sunday, sometimes every Sunday, depending on what time of the year it was. I sang in the choir for a while, and I guess I was kind of doing it for my mother because you know she thought it was really special that I was in church and I got baptized and all that. But as I grew up, I decided that church wasn't the thing for me. And I remember one day, my mother told me to put money in the in the collection bin, and I went up front and I, I balled a little dollar up in my hand, and I put my hand in, and I took my hand back out, and I never let the ball of money out of my hand, and I just took it. I, I kept it with me because I didn't feel that the church needed the money because they had a lot of nice things, and we didn't have hardly anything. We wore hand-me-down clothes, and I didn't understand why we had to give them money. You know, all throughout my years, I've gotten to battles with my family and my mother, especially about going to church. And But I went to school in a uh, predominantly white school from first grade to fourth grade that pretty much shaped my life pretty much up till now. I mean, I was always able to deal with people who are a different culture from, from my culture. It helped me a lot. Being bussed out way out to the county as part of the desegregation program it was a wild experience. I mean, we spent two or three hours a day on a bus. But growing up again, you know, in a neighborhood with drug dealers and bums and muggers and gangbangers and all that stuff, I, I think I turned out pretty good. I never joined a gang. I never sold drugs or anything like that. I never, you know, got involved in any of that crazy stuff that you know, a lot of people got trapped into. You mentioned you sang in the choir. What kind of church was it and what kind of connection did you have with music besides choir or maybe including choir? As far as the choir went, I didn't really like the songs. I just sang them because we were supposed to sing them. Uh, we went to a Southern Baptist church. If anyone doesn't know what Southern Baptist is out there, it's very tough to understand Like when you're a child you know why you should be giving your money to a church or why you should feel ashamed about thinking certain things or doing certain things and why you should feel obligated to come to church every Sunday because if there is a God out there, then you know the God is everywhere. Why would you have to go to church to, you know, show your praise? You could do it at home. You could do it on the street. You could do it in the backyard. You know, you could have it at a friend's house or something like that. So there was a lot of contradictions involved in the Southern Baptist Church that I went to. I'm not saying all across the board, but as far as the, the churches that I've been to in St. Louis, it wasn't just one church. It seemed like every church was the same in their same philosophy of fleecing the community of their money, pretty much buying the things that they want for the church or for themselves. You know, they had nice cars and 
things like that. But far as music went, for me as a child, I didn't really like to sing that much because I didn't think I was a very good singer. I like to play music. I was more of a percussionist. I like to play, you know, tambourine or drums or the triangle or wood blocks. In middle school, I got my chance to do that. But the church music didn't really influence me very much because I didn't feel it in my heart to that I, I was a true believer in God, so it didn't come out the right way. I don't know how long of a distance there is between the music of your childhood and Amy Mann, who is the singer for the first song you came up with. Where did you go musically to end up with Amy Mann? I'd, I'd probably have to say around the world and back again. Because after we lived in St. Louis, when I was 15, we moved, me and my mother moved to Houston. And uh, that was like another, almost like living in a different country because there were so many different ethnicities. There was, you know, people from India and Pakistan and Vietnam and China and Mexico. And so um, I got to listen to a, a whole bunch of different kinds of music when I lived in Houston. And that pretty much put me on my way to being more open to more music than just, you know, hip hop or rap or rock and roll or pop or country. It broadened my horizons so much. After that, I moved up north when I was 17, and I moved to Minnesota. And that was uh, another mind-blowing experience as well because I go from a, a cultural mecca, which is Houston, and into you know all you know pretty much predominantly Anglo, White Bear Lake, Minnesota, which has pretty much you know, the same culture. You know they, you know they eat lefsa and things like that. They listen to you know pretty much the same music on the radio. You know the I ninety four or whatever it is over there, K K R B E or K D W B. This regular pop music, and I got into that too. And I didn't really actually find my my musical niche until I moved to Eau Claire because I got to experience a lot of different musical type things when I went to college. That kind of helped shape my musical spectrum. Not really shape it, but just let it just go in all different directions because not one type of music was good enough for me. I had to just try everything, and so. After trying, you know, different things like electronica and folk music and the classic rock and tribal music and things of that sort, it really helped me out. So why is Amy Mann and why is her song Fourth of July? Why is this part of your song of the soul? What's it got to do with you? I think Amy Mann is an excellent artist. Uh, she's a great songwriter and she's a great guitarist and, and a pianist. And that song just hit me really hard because... Um, but when I was younger, you know, we would celebrate the 4th of July, you know, by blowing up fireworks and lighting sparklers and barbecuing. And, and we didn't really take time to think about what freedom actually was. And they say that we're free in this country, but I don't feel that we're free at all because we have to work until we're 70, sometimes 80, 90 years old. And, and then what do we do? We just die after that. We live our whole lives just working. If we're so free, then how come everything's so expensive? And and if we're free, how come we can't say what we want to say? And how come we can't do what we want to do? Not necessarily like go murder anyone, but why can't you protest the government without being thrown in jail or beat up by the police? Why can't you tell people what you really think about them without being sued for harassment? Or, you know, why can't you have bumper stickers on the back of your car that, you know, are socially conscious without the police, you know, following you or pulling you over multiple times? So, you know, in that sense, we're not free in this country, you know, until people decide to wake up and snap out of it and think for themselves for once, so we, we won't be free in this country. And I, that's what the song is really about. It's about being mentally free, and I just, I, I really loved it. From the first time I heard it, I loved it ever since. Where are the places that you found the most amount of people, the greatest percentage of people, who have some grasp of mental freeness, who have an idea what it really means to be mentally free, to not be sold down the river, as they say in the song? 
I would say that I find the most open-minded people. I would say at college because uh, people are at college are developing their own persona as opposed to like in school. You know, they tell you you know how to be, how to be, how to be. But in college, there's no one telling you how to act. You know, how to feel. You know, what to do all the time. And is that the age at which you ran into Amy Mann and her music? Yes,、uh, I ran into Amy Mann, and basically when I was in college. With my wife, when we were dating, she had an Amy Mann CD, and we listened to that, and that was the music really hit my heart really well. And so I just I started looking into more of her music. Those colleges are very crucial to a person's、uh, you know social development and、uh, willingness to look for you know certain truths in their lives because there's there's no one like I said before there's no one there to tell you you know you have to follow this certain path in order to graduate or you don't even have to graduate at all because. I didn't, and、uh, actually, I kind of it was kind of a blessing in disguise that I didn't graduate because I wouldn't be sitting here right now talking to you. Well, I'm glad you are sitting here right now talking to me, and I'm really glad that we get a chance now to listen to Amy Mann's song "Fourth of July." Today is the Fourth of July, another June has gone by. Town, I just think what a waste of gunpowder and sky. I'm certain I am alone and harboring thoughts of our home. It's one of my faults that I. Can't quell my past. I ought to have gotten it gone. I ought to have gotten it. Oh, baby, I wonder if when you are older, someday you'll wake up. Got the river down which I sold her. 
That was Amy Mann, 4th of July. Justin, it's clear to me that you really want to make an impact on the world. What would you say are the big issues for you? You already mentioned working to keep the nefarious impact of the Patriot Act off of us. What are the other things that are big issues for you? The biggest issue right now for me is fluoride. The fluoride in our water, they tell us, is good for us because it makes our teeth stronger and it could be nothing further from the truth because municipalities have been lied to by the Public Health Service and the National Institute of Health and the ADA and the American Dental Association and the FDA and the uh, Center for Disease Control. We've been told that we need this to make our children's teeth healthier and, and this and that. But on the contrary, it's actually deteriorating our health because the fluoride that we get in our water supply is not the same kind that we would get in our toothpaste. It's called hydroflucilic acid, and it comes from the Florida phosphate industry, which makes the fertilizers and pesticides and herbicides. It's scrubbed from the smokestacks, and this acid is so corrosive that people have to handle it with the hazardous material suits on. And so why would we want to drink something that is so hazardous that you have to handle it with a hazmat suit? There's no, I mean, just because it's diluted to you know, one part per million or three parts per million or four parts per million doesn't mean that it's safe because you can't control how much water a person drinks in a day. And the people who are affected most are the elderly, people with kidney problems, diabetics, and children, and people with poor nutrition. Fluoride interrupts all our enzyme functions, which are responsible for every part of the body, you know, from brain to the bottom of your feet. It takes place of iodine in our, in our body, which causes hypothyroidism, which causes obesity and low metabolism and things like that. There's a long list of disorders and problems that people say, oh, well, it was caused by something else. It was caused by something else. But when you get down to the bottom of it, it's fluoride that's the issue. And because this stuff, it's somewhat radioactive as well. But, you know, you would never hear about this in the in the media because it's been rubber stamped all over this country that fluoride is good for you. And in order to have healthy teeth, you need to drink it. But the CDC just conceded last year that the use of water fluoridation is not practical. It, it doesn't work because the, the effects of fluoride, if there are any positive effects, are topical, not systemic, which means that it goes on your teeth, not in your mouth. And there's no reason for us to drink a, a toxic waste in order to save the corporation hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for cleaning up their own spill. We're wasting our own tax dollars to, to poison ourselves. So fluoridation is an issue you're working on right now, Justin. Is that part of a larger fabric of issues that are of importance to you? Overall, health is the importance because if your body can't be healthy, then your mind can't be healthy. And we wonder why so many people are sick in this country is because of all the different kinds of toxins we're ingesting on a daily basis in our food and in our water and in our air and uh, from our even our own laundry detergent, for crying out loud, are, are really corrosive. And some people have a hypersensitivity to certain things like that. They call it multiple chemical sensitivity disorder. But overall, it's a health aspect. It's pretty much my, my big crusade right now. Things like aspartame and monosodium glutamate, you know, they're not labeled very well in products. And people just buy these things and they give them to their children. And it causes severe brain damage. And like I said, the government does not care about us. They want us to be sick. They want us to be on drugs so we can make the pharmaceutical companies more rich. And, you know, I know that sounds a little crazy, but 
no one wants to confront this issue. And I think I've taken on the battle. I, I'm a member of the Fluoride Action Network, and I'm the Wisconsin representative for the Fluoride Action Network. I was appointed by Dr. Paul Conant, who is the head of the Fluoride Action Network, and he's a, a chemist at St. Lawrence University in New York. And I just met with him a couple of weeks ago, and he said that I was the one to lead Wisconsin. And so I'm asking anyone out there who is interested in the health of their children, their families, you know, their friends or themselves, to please go to fluoridealert.org. And uh, you can look me up, Justin Leeson at fluoridactionnetwork.org. You can just look on the website and you can find me, or you can dial me at my email at fluoridekills at yahoo.com. But there's a lot more, you know, than fluoride. It's a lot more than aspartame. It's a lot more than MSG. There's, you know, a long list of things out there that can hurt us, and there's not even enough time in this show to go over half of them. Well, what we're hoping, Justin, is that you get your own show so that you have a little bit more speaking time to cover these things. Let's go on to your second song because it touches on environmental themes, I think, and also just a way of life that we have here in the United States. It's a song by Ellen Oaks, who's a Menominee singer, songwriter. The song is Wasteful People. Yeah, I, I came across this song by default, actually. It's my wife's uh, tape collection that I converted to a CD, but Ellen Oaks is uh, she's a good artist as well. I really like this song because it just it describes exactly what we're doing right now as a people. All we do is we take and we don't give anything back, you know, to the land. You know, some of us do, but it's a very small percentage. And you know, when we're a country of 300 million people and uh, we're only five percent of the world's population, but we consume a third of its resources and make nearly half its waste. That says a lot about our country because all we do is we throw away everything. We use paper towels and paper napkins, and we use paper Kleenexes to blow our little noses, and we use disposable diapers for our babies, and you know we use paper cups and paper plates and styrofoam this and styrofoam that, and you can't do anything with that. Once you make those things, we can't recycle styrofoam. We do have the facilities to do it, but no one thinks it's profitable enough, so therefore they don't do it. They just throw it away or they burn it or put it in the ocean. But as far as the waste goes, the Twin Cities right now is fighting a new initiative to install two brand new garbage incinerators. There's no reason for that, but their rationale is that if we burn the garbage, then we won't have to put it anywhere. But if you burn it, the waste still goes somewhere, the pollution still goes somewhere, and that would come directly to us from the Twin Cities. And so, once again, I'm asking anyone who's interested to go to neighborsagainsttheburner.org. That's www.neighborsagainsttheburner.org to find out more information about the incinerator initiative or to call the St. Paul City Council or the mayor's office. Uh, you can find them online. Just search, you know, St. Paul City Council or mayor's office and let them know that, you know, this. even though we live in Eau Claire, we will be affected by this. And there's no reason for us to make more waste from waste we're better off finding more ways to make less waste rather than trying to figure out what to do with the waste that we have. It strikes me that you're not one of the wasteful people that Ellen Oaks sings about in this song. The song is Wasteful People by Ellen Oaks, and we're listening to Justin Leeson's Song of the Soul today. We are a wasteful people. We are a throwaway people. Truck it down, pile it up, watch it burn. 
Wasteful People by Ellen Oaks, a local singer-songwriter from Menominee, Wisconsin. That was the second song that Justin chose for his Song of the Soul. Justin, let's go right into the third song. Uh, I think there's a thread going through these songs. It's pretty clear. This one's called Ironbound Fancy Poultry by Suzanne Vega. Why this one? The title kind of throws people off, but... What it's about is Portuguese women in a certain neighborhood that Suzanne Vega lived in, and she admired them so much that she wrote a song about them because they were basically just housewives and they were stuck at home, and which has nothing to do with what it means to me. It makes me think about the chicken farms and the, the, the factory you know, chicken farms and turkey farms and what they do to the chickens. I'm not going to go into detail because this is a public radio station, so what they do to the chickens just doesn't fly well with me, and that's not a pun. They do so many different horrible things to these chickens. You know, I will go into detail with their living conditions. They're stuffed into these little two-feet-by-two-feet two battery cages. They stuff maybe six or seven of them in together, and they starve them, and they sometimes you know, hurt each other in the process. And when they stop laying eggs, they starve them. And that's just one of the few things that I can't stand, and it, it drives me absolutely nuts to see people you know, not even thinking about what they're eating. When they're eating uh, the white eggs, the factory farm eggs, they're contributing to the suffering of all these different chickens. And when they're having their Thanksgiving dinner and they're, they're cutting into that turkey, you know, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're, they're contributing to the turkey farms. The poultry, you know, are pretty much probably the worst treated animal in the world. And uh, they don't get very much publicity because people think, oh, well, they're just stupid animals. But they're very intelligent animals. They have hierarchies and they, they actually can fly, even though, you know, they clip their wings in the factory farms. They have souls, too, just like you and me to be put in a prison like they are and then just to you know, live out their lives. They, they shorten their lifespan by, you know, years and years. And then eventually they, they go to the slaughter when they can't lay eggs anymore. So this song puts a lot of that in perspective for me. And I made a video about it as well. So the title of the song is Ironbound Fancy Poultry. And uh, you can look for it on YouTube. I put it on YouTube so you can check it out and see exactly what I'm talking about, how they treat these chickens. 
And, of course, I'll put links for all of this on my website. So you can always, for all my guests, including Justin Leeson, you just go to northernspiritradio.org and find the wealth of connections that Justin is giving us today. In this case, he's given us both a video and the song that we're going to listen to right now, Ironbound Fancy Poultry by Suzanne Vega. Portuguese will come to see what you sell. The clouds so low, the morning so slow as the wires cut through the sky. The beams and bridges cut the light on the ground into little triangles and the rails run round through the rust and heat, the light and sweet coffee color of your skin. Bound up in iron and Look for the light They try to make sense They'll come up through the cracks Like grass on the tracks She touches him goodbye Steps off the curb And into the street The blood and the feathers Near her feet Into the iron bound Breasts and thighs and hearts 
interested, Justin, when you said that chickens, turkeys, whatever, they ha- they have souls like we do. I guess that means that you believe that something like a soul exists, and I'm not quite sure what that means. You, you've said clearly that the Southern baptism of your childhood does not hold a place particularly for in your religious thought right now. What kind of thoughts can you put together about what does and doesn't have souls and what importance that has to us? I guess I can't really say what does and what doesn't have a soul, but I mean, if you, if it's a living being walking around, it has to have a soul because without a soul, you're just you're a rock or a piece of cement. But far as my spirituality goes, I just can't see the. I can see people believing in you know a certain higher power, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to have that certain belief in your life in order to be a good person because there's plenty of good people out there that don't believe in God, that don't go to church and they do very well and they, they help their community and they help their fellow man or woman. And then we see, you know, on the other side of that, we see Catholic priests in the news, you know, doing things to little boys and we see politicians, you know, with their sex scandals and things like that and they call themselves men of God. So I think it takes a little bit more than just going to church to make you a good person. And I'm glad that I dropped out of church because it made me a better person. Yeah, it certainly strikes me the same way that there's no automatic, you're part of this group, so therefore you're a good person, whether that's church or politician or school or whatever. The whole discussion about what does or doesn't have a soul and what that means, I guess, could have some correlation with the next song that you've chosen, Justin, Spirits in the Material World by The Police. Why did you choose this song for your song of the soul? This is one of my old favorites. The Police are one of my old-time favorite bands, but this song especially just sticks out a lot in my head because I've dealt with a lot of people who are very materialistic and they just seem to just lose themselves you know, in all of it because they have to have the brand new things and they have to have more of this or more of that. And I was part of that for a while and I did 
like material items, but I had to break away from it because it just, it just wasn't me. I could feel myself slipping away. You know, when I would shop at places like Walmart or Kmart, I didn't know it at the time, but people were slaving basically for those little plastic items that I was buying or the cheapest items that I was buying at Walmart or Target or Kmart. And the same goes for, you know, for coffee or chocolate or things like that. People don't see, they don't make that connection between this is the item that I'm buying and this is what's happening because of it. All they see is the material and that's all that matters. You know, the gold or the diamonds or the platinum or the silver or the car or the plasma TV screen or the Xbox 360 or, you know, whatever it may be. To them, the ends does justify the means. In that case, you know, I can't be friends with them and I can't socialize with them because it just, it, it doesn't go well with me. And people say, you know, I'm too critical or I worry too much. And I say, you know, if you understood the way I did, maybe you would feel the same way too. Maybe you wouldn't want so many things. And, you know, when we become so caught up in our little materialistic chasing and, and wanting, we lose ourselves and we become spirits of the material world. And that's what a lot of people in this country and in this world, I feel, are. Spirits in the Material World by The Police. 
We're listening to Justin Leeson's Song of the Soul today here. He's visiting with us. Justin, you've been in Eau Claire for quite a while now, on and off. I mean, you you lived here for a while. I think you went to college here for a while, left, came back. Is there a reason that you chose living here as opposed to, say, living down in St. Louis where your family's from? Oh, yes, there is a reason. Once again, because we differ in so many ways and I tried to be close to my family, but they just they didn't want to even explore any you know aspects of my life. All they cared about was what I could do for them for the most part. There's no way I could ever live in St. Louis again because it's just it's so close minded it's very very, very segregated, very racist. I mean the white people don't like blacks and the blacks don't like whites and the blacks don't like the Asians and the the Mexicans don't like you know white people and white people don't like Mexicans and it's just it's just a big big mess and so you know, think, you know, in 2006, 2005, 2007, whatever the year is, that, you know, we would be past this whole, you know, your skin's different than mine, so I don't like you. But apparently that's not the truth because people are still racist in this day and age, and there's no reason for that. But, you know, we see that in the media that, you know, all we see on TV is, you know, black people or Mexican people doing bad things. And so all of them are bad. Or I had one, one bad run-in with a white person, so all white people are bad. But... Up here, people give me more benefit of the doubt. You know, they see, you know, there are maybe some bad blacks in town, and you know, they can't just assume that everybody in town that's black is, you know, up to no good. And I, I get that from people. And some people, you know, are afraid of me, and I guess that's fine if they want to be afraid of me. And some people are just like, oh, hey, it's so nice to see a dark face around here. You know, you know, keep it up. You know, <laughs> bring more people. It's like, well, I can't really bring more people, but. Well, I personally envy the fact that you don't have to get sunburned all the time like I do. My Irish blood just makes me terribly susceptible to it. And the two years when I lived in Africa as a Peace Corps volunteer, I lost my entire skin several times over. Definitely there's advantages to every experience, and I really think that we're richer for having you around here, especially because you carry such passionate concerns about really making life better for yourself and everyone. That's a component that enriches a community, and it's great to have you here. So, speaking of making the world better, you're all in favor of atomic energy, right? <laughs> no. I am 100% against atomic energy. Uh, I like the uh, song called Atoms for Peace by Tom York. He's the lead singer of Radiohead. And he did his own solo album, and the song Atoms for Peace is not necessarily about atoms at all, but it's talking about people getting up and doing something about what they're concerned about, you know, about the world around them, rather than just sitting around and talking about, oh, how good everything else was, you know, back when I was young and 25 years ago, this and that. It's definitely, it's past time for us to get up and do something, and I listen to that song, and it it, uh, it makes me feel so much better when I'm feeling down about, you know, well, no one's going to listen to me, or, you know, no one cares, and... I say, well, you know, the heck with everybody else. If they don't care, then I care, and I'm going to do something because it's the world's in, in peril right now because we can't just sit around and wait for someone else to do it. We have to do it ourselves. I think we should listen to the song right away. It's called Atoms for Peace. It's by Tom York of Radiohead. No more going to the dark side with a flying saucer
Adams for Peace by Tom York. 
I think that we're each atoms for peace. I think that's maybe what, uh, you know, we're, we're each one of the essential breakdown of that work for peace that could happen. The next song you chose leads me to think that you have some idea that our religious identity and the unhealthy way that we allow ourselves to be exploited, that they go together. Instead of putting words in your mouth, how about if I ask you, why did you choose Canons of Christianity by Phil Oaks? I chose that song because it struck a chord with me with um, the way that certain Christians portray themselves. They say, well, you know, I'm good and I'm great and I believe in God and the Ten Commandments and I can recite the Bible back to front, but that doesn't necessarily make them good people. You know, they they have all this money, but what do they really do for people with, they just put it right into the church. They don't put it into community. Like one of the lines says, uh, build a castle amidst the poverty. And that's true because you have these huge cathedrals. And then around them is just shanty towns. And the people that go to these churches, you know, they say, well, you know, you know, God needs my money. I'm like, well, you know, if God is a spiritual being, God does not need your money. I will say that right now, that God does not need your money. The church might need it, but God doesn't need it. And Phil Oaks certainly does a good job of pointing it out, maybe lampooning it a little bit in his song, Cans of Christianity, which you're going to hear right now for Justin Leeson's last song for his song of the soul, Cans of Christianity by Phil Oaks. The other night, a voice came to me. Turned out it was God. <laughs> Said, Oaks, wake up, this is God here. Over. I said, you're putting me on, of course, Dylan. So he did a few tricks. He moved the bed back and forth. <laughs> Trembling, I asked, what is it you want, O oh Lord? He said, well, frankly, Phil, I went downtown the other day, saw the greatest story ever told, couldn't believe it. It's gone too far. Something must be done about Christianity. Then woof in a puff of smoke, he disappeared. The next morning I woke up, had a few drinks to realize it was all true, and decided to do something about Christianity. But what could I do, me, a poor, humble boy from the sticks? Then I remembered I was a songwriter. Aha, so I sat down with pen in hand over my typewriter. And ended up writing this next song, which is a hymn about Christianity. Actually, an anti-hymn. The first anti-hymn, folks. <laughs> so, <clears throat> That's the melody. Christian cannons have fired at my days With the warning beneath the holy blaze And bow to our authority Say the cannons of Christianity Oh, the children will be sent to schools Minds of clay are molded to the rules 
learn to fear All of eternity Warn the canons of Christianity Holy hands will count the money raised Like a king the Lord is richly praised On a cross of diamond majesty Say the canons of Christianity Missionaries will travel on crusades The word is given, the heathen souls are saved Conversions to our morality Sigh the canons of Christianity Come the wars and turn the rules around Defend your soul on the battleground And the Lord will march beside me Drone the cannons of Christianity Cathedral walls will glitter with their gold And the sermons speak through silver rolls Building castles amidst the poverty Say the canons of Christianity Worship now and wash your sins away Drop the coins, fall to your knees and pray Cleanse the world of all hypocrisy Smile the canons of Christianity Christian cannons have fired at my days With the warning beneath the holy blaze And bow to our authority Say the canons of Christianity Cry the canons of Christianity That was Canons of Christianity. In case you're wondering, he's playing with canons in the two senses of the word. Sometimes it's written with one end and sometimes it's with two ends, uh, like the one you fire or like the legal dictates of Christianity. You clearly have a, a reaction to the Southern Baptist environment you grew up in. Have you experimented outside of that within other forms of Christianity, or have you gone to other forms of religious or spiritual practice? Have you personally tried Native American or Buddhism or any of the other things? Yes, I've tried different things. I've tried different aspects of Christianity. I tried the Lutheran Church, which didn't work out very well for me. 
it just didn't sit well with me, the idea of praying. I'd rather meditate than pray. The praying thing just doesn't fly with me because you're asking you know, someone to do something for you rather than doing it yourself, or you're asking for someone to, you know, feel better, you know, why not just go and try to help that person feel better rather than asking someone to take some pain away from someone. You could actually do it with your hands. Your hands are some of the most magnificent tools ever made. And we can do so many things with our hands, you know, and we can rub the pain out of somebody. We can, we can lift someone up. We can, you know, help someone with their bags or anything like that. So there's a lot with the whole Lutheran thing I just didn't like. But right now, I, you know, I guess, you know, you can tell by the necklace I'm wearing, I'm a pagan. And uh, it's more of a, a nature-based religion, you know, with respect for, you know, animals and, and plants and you know, life in general. And there's different kinds of pagans out there. There's pagans who, you know, just say they are and they don't do anything. And there's pagans that are, you know, all out. You know, they don't watch TV. They don't listen to radio. They don't do all kinds of things. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you feel in your heart that, you know, you want to change the way that you are from before and live as, you know, a person who's a... a more of a, a spiritual being rather than, you know, a material being. And uh, I think that's, you know, kind of the way I went with that. You know, I was I was kind of tired of living the way I lived. And we've been pagans for, I'd say, about four or five years now. And it's gone pretty well. You know, we do uh, meditations and we do ceremonies on different parts and times of the year. And, and I'll just leave with this one last thing. You know, when you sit down at the dinner table and, you know, you have a pork chop on your plate, you know, do you even think about how that pork chop got there or just figured that it's just an animal and so you know you know if god so created it you know to be there you know he created it there for you to eat or did he create it for you to nurture and so i will i will leave the audience with that you've given us a lot to think about live with and hopefully take action on justin it's been inspirational to listen to you talk and your dedication is a thing of wonder thank you mark You've been listening to Justin Leeson's Song of the Soul. Remember to go check out this program on my northernspiritradio.org site to find links for the many resources Justin shared with us, including the videos he's placed on YouTube. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy. Sing out.